Welcome to the T's and C's. Tisa and Chantel. Also known as the Terms and Conditions. Welcome to another episode of our weekly COVID-19 reflection. We are really excited today to be joined by Kat Smith, who is a Professor of Public Health Policy at the University of Strathclyde. This is quite an exciting episode for us because we're going to be talking about the impact agenda within universities and how we should be really focusing on this, particularly during this COVID-19 global pandemic. And also, Kat's going to talk to us a little bit about why students, higher education professionals and people from outside of the academy should be both concerned and be understanding what impact means so thank you so much Kat like and this is also a nice break for us from talking about like <laughs> some heavy, heavy even though this stuff can very much connect to some racism it's a welcome break <laughs> right so thank you so much for joining us Kat like we're really excited about this and oh, no, thanks for having me imagine our listeners don't know at all what the ref is and what impact is if you could just define those for us that would be brilliant yeah, sure. So so the REF is a, a system that the UK government's put in place to basically assess universities and, and the consequences of REF inform how block funding is distributed between different universities. It was initially put in place just to assess research quality and it focused very much on research output, so publications that academics were producing. In the last ref, in the run-up to that, it was decided that it shouldn't focus just on the research, but should also focus on the impact of research. Initially, it was 20%, and now it's 25% of the score, which then informs the funding, is um, related to impact. And that involves institutions via their academics having to show that their research has had impact beyond academia. In, in the main, in a range of different audiences. And it's assessed through a case study. So it's a very short form that people have to use to demonstrate that their research has had impact in a documentable way. So you've got to be able to trace it through from your original research that you published to the final outcome. And that that process, so that's part of the impact agenda. There's another part of the impact agenda, which isn't related to the REF, but related to research funding, which is when academics are applying for funding, they increasingly have to make clear how their research is going to have an impact on audiences beyond academia. There's some pros and there's some cons to that, so we, we can talk about those. But that's just to kind of basically describe what REF is and what the impact agenda is. In certain subjects, it'll be easier to demonstrate impact, right? Tangibility in my field or any kind of humanities or social sciences, how do you demonstrate tangibly in a kind of concrete way in terms of like outputs that you are, you're having an impact? Like, how do you demonstrate an idea? Yeah, so it's a really good question. So that is one of the problems. And, and people said fr from the start of this process that it's going to be much easier for some subjects than others. And it's not, I mean, I think those of us in the social sciences ha and have a tendency to think, and I thought this before we wrote the book on the impact agenda and did that research, I had a tendency to think if you were in the more STEM subjects like science and math and engineering, that'd be easier to demonstrate your impact. But what we discovered in doing those interviews is that's only true if you're in specific bits of STEM subjects. If you're in <laughs> theoretical physics or maths, it's also equally hard to demonstrate that your impact beyond academia, because often people in those contexts are contributing to ideas or thinking, which may then inform 
other people's work who might have a more applied approach. And then you can track it through over a very long period of time where lots of people have cumulatively contributed to something that maybe it does have some kind of impact somewhere. And it would be the same with social science ideas, that the ideas inform things that happen in the world and uh, critical thinking over time can play a really important role in shaping policy decisions. But it often happens in a much more cumulative kind of amorphous way that is really hard to track the impact of. And it also isn't within the gift of academics if they're um, producing ideas that are quite critical and, you know, critiquing uh, government thinking at the moment, critiquing some of the ideas that are really dominant. It's not really within our gift to ensure that those are enacted in some way. We can push as much as possible, but I think all we can do is push. And and not all the ideas are going to have an impact. So I think it's incredibly hard to plan to have a documentable impact and there's also a big role of kind of serendipity and luck so if you think about people that were working on novel coronaviruses like obviously they're going to have great impact case studies in a few years time Mm. because their work external events mean their work has become incredibly important in the here and now if we hadn't had the pandemic or it had been a different kind of pandemic it would have been different kind of research that was important and for me what that shows is is it's really important to allow academic space to do work that isn't uh, just attending to the the policy agendas of the day and just attending to what pe- people are currently people in power currently feel are the important things you need academia to be a space in which critical thinking is really encouraged and which ideas that don't have immediate impact but might have a really important role to play in longer term shifts in thinking and so on those things need to be allowed to happen and academia has traditionally been a space in which it, it, you know that kind of work has been protected and encouraged and so one of our concerns about the impact agenda, which we talk about in the book, is is the fact that it seems to be squeezing these more critical thinking, blue skies thinking type spaces. For the purpose of this moment, Kat, so obviously the REF has been in place for how many years now? Several iterations, but prior to that was a research assessment exercise and it was introduced in the 1980s first. Right, okay. But it was less heavy. This government policy made it made it much more exacerbating for the reason that you've given right now. But my, my question, I guess, focuses on this moment right now, as we know many students, let's talk about undergraduates for, for a moment, are going to be looking to do their degree mainly online. The university is changing. The way we teach, the way we support students is, are changing. Why is now really important for students to know what the ref is and for people that aren't students to understand what the ref is? Part of my answer is none of us should worry too much about the ref because the more you focus on it, the more it gives it a kind of power and we start responding to it. And these kind of performance assessment processes are always going to go on institutions that are publicly funded and inform funding. And if you're a student thinking about which university you might want to go to, I think there are many more important things to be focusing on. Who is doing the teaching? What are the courses on offer? Trying to get some sense of qualitatively from other people of who've been through those courses, like what they got out of them and whether they thought they were good or not. I would be spending more time on those kinds of things. It shapes who gets jobs in the sector and it shapes um, who, what they feel able to do in their work. And that then informs the teaching that they provide. So if, so the, the ref 
has does have impact on who gets appointed and who gets promoted because universities are thinking about who's going to help us perform well in this system and get more of this block grant funding and there's a it informs league tables universities are really competitive with each other around league tables so it informs these things going on in the background and therefore it informs yeah who gets promoted who gets appointed and um what academics people in that system think that they need to do in order to get a job secure a job and get and be able to secure research grants and so on and the impact agenda part of that so it, it does have some really positive impacts I think so I think academics have been encouraged to work with people outside the academic sector make more links and that can include with third sector advocacy groups with commercial sector and with policy sector. So people are encouraged to make those links and sometimes they're bringing those links into the teaching space and that can be really beneficial for students. So there's, there are positives, but but the kind of concern that I'd have is it, it starts to tie, encourage academics to do work that is in line with existing ways of thinking um, say in industry or in the government and so on so the easiest way if you were thinking about as an academic how do I show that I'm going to do some research and, and then have this documentable impact the easiest way to do that would be do, to do some research that's almost on a consultancy basis kind of responding to something that the government or an external actor has said we want to know the answers to these questions and then to do the kind of research that gives them the answers to the questions that they've set the parameters of they're likely to use that research because they said they wanted it to start off with. And that is really out of kilter with, I think, how critical social science has tended to operate, which is much more to take a step back and raise questions about how think assumptions that we make, dominant narratives, dominant discourses, to start to challenge those and to encourage students to um, think critically about the dominant narratives and assumptions that they're encountering. And that kind of work, I mean, as came through from your questions, is much harder to document impact on. So I think it's fine if we're encouraging just some academics to do some impact work, or if the impact agenda was just about encouraging academics to have conversations with people outside academia. I think that can all be positive. But if it goes too far and starts to encourage academics just to focus on research that's addressing questions that have been set by external actors, I think we then start to be at risk of losing that critical space that sociology and other social sciences are, are, um, you know, are, have really shown how important that is over the years. The impact can be seen as like, a, I think it can be seen as a positive thing because I think sometimes it, it links academia to the real world in, in a sense that sometimes it, you, you lose that. So sometimes academia can be seen as a, a bubble and the, the work that's produced is sometimes out of kilter and out of step with what the thing that's going on because it's just debates with other academics really sometimes. I think that's the kind of impression people get from the outside. So I could see the positive, but what's quite concerning is what you've alluded to just now. Research will be kind of led by the commercial sector. You'll follow the money, basically. You'll do research to follow the money. And that has detrimental effects on free thinking because you're more concerned about profit, basically. Like you become a, like a, neo, a neoliberal capitalist. That's what you're thinking of. Ultimately, money is what's driving you. But also it makes me think about like value and like who decides what is impact. And bearing in mind like who are the dominant characters within higher education, within the government. Like These are people that have a particular way of doing things a particular understanding of structures and agency me and Tito spend a lot of time like 
critiquing within and beyond the academy because of the demographic of the academy and obviously people that are making decisions about impact are similar similar in their demographic it might not be similar in their thinking but it just makes me think that it's just another way of maintaining the status quo and what is seen as risk like what is seen as good impact bad impact like do you know what I mean it's all these different things and I know what's really interesting about this conversation is this is something that our people that we look up to people that have been on the podcast academics have been talking about for years I guess we're just sort of coming at it from student perspective and thinking now within this moment how it's possibly going to be getting even worse for people within the sector yeah I mean I think they're all really good points and we share those concerns in the that we talk about in the book and particularly this question that you raised about what's good impact and bad impact and who decides guidance around impact really interestingly I think doesn't seem to come with any kind of ethical framework or any kind of diversity assessment whereas there have been moves to introduce them there's no diversity assessment for the impact yeah, yeah. So we looked at that the last time. It's possible it'd be introduced for this time. It wasn't last time. And so me and a colleague called Ellen Stewart tried to do a bit of assessment. We just took social policy as one of the more applied social sciences. We kind of tried to do an assessment, but because people haven't had to declare their gender or ethnicity, it's quite hard to do. And you end up kind of putting people in boxes just based on what you can see from their online profile, which is a really insufficient way of doing it. But just by doing that, we could see that there was a real dominance of kind of what have been referred to as impact heroes. So a kind of sensor you get from these impact cases. White men. Because the way they're constructed, often white men, often even more often senior white academics being kind of positioned as the impact hero who did all this research and then had this great impact when of course like that rests on a whole load of work that other people contributed to but the the size of the form and the structure kind of filters that out a bit the fact that the impact case study is meant to be linked to one university and one bit of the university also filters out that broader collaboration with other academics elsewhere and and so you get these very individualized accounts and and also, in addition to that, as, as we kind of reflected, the, who are the people that are well positioned to be having um, imp- to impact and to be able to ask people from the external kind of policy and commercial sectors to provide evidence that they've had impact? And, it, and it, you start to see how things like Old Boys Network operates in ways that filter through to this kind of system if you went to school with very privileged people and they they're now in senior positions and you've kept those connections up or you go to dinner parties and you meet them those kind of informal connections can be really important to this being able to demonstrate impact and all of that reinforces certain sectors of society being able to do really well out of this process whilst other earlier career academics people who've got caring responsibilities um, may, may not be as well networked and so on i think it's a much more of an uphill battle for those people to demonstrate impact i didn't think it was even possible to introduce the theory of like rational rationalization into people's thinking how to rationalize it and make it like a capitalist model like the same system a system of hierarchy a system that kind of flattens out flattens out structures and it makes people disappear and i didn't think that was actually possible but they've, they've managed it like that's actually quite scary actually i think yeah, and I really think it's disappointing that uh, that the way in which the impact case studies are constructed in the ref 
doesn't do more to encourage a sense of collaboration, synthesis, building on others, and an attention to early career researchers. So I think those are all things that could be relatively easily fixed if there was a will to do so. Now, it's possible this time, because there has been a lot more conversation about diversity and, and, and a lack of diversity in ref and in ref assessment panels it's possible this time that they will pay more attention in the last time there was no assessment of that and there was also no assessment of their whether impact was good or positive or negative or you know that's quite simplistic many impacts will be positive for some people and less positive for other people positive for some groups and less positive for others there's an assumption in the guidance when you read it that all impacts will be positive and of course we know that that's not the case there could be research that has very negative impacts on certain sections of society and the way the impact is constructed at the moment there's nothing to guide reviewers to consider that in any kind of way. So we, we do have, obviously, increasingly strong assessment of the ethics of research that gets done, but not of the ethics of the impact. Fuck this, honestly. <laughs> it's, so, it's so grim. I can't, I thought, like, do you know what? I was sat here like, right, we've got Prof Kat Smith coming on. She's going to teach us about impact, but it's depressing me. <laughs> because <laughs> it's just another layer of bullshit like i know this is something that people have been going on i like i don't want it to seem like i'm being naive i did know that this was madness i knew it was not a good thing but i guess hearing you break it down like this it does make it much more clearer as to how just oppressive and neoliberal so if you had ethics around the word around impact right yeah so when I used to put out a graduate recruitment scheme application forms and they would say, that, what's your impact? And no one ever talks of their own stuff as being have negative, negative impact, even though they might be. You'll always have a tendency of a bias to try and try and show it in the best light possible. Yeah. So does that, is there a weakness in trying to it'll make academics do stuff to try and show their work, even though they're like to kind of hide the, the negatives and play up the positives more? Yes, I, I think there's a, a problem in just not having any kind of framework to assess the ethics of impact or even to encourage academics to think about it and mm -hmm. so that of course whenever you're putting anything in, into these kinds of systems you're trying to you're trying to tell a positive story yeah but I think if we had an uh, a kind of ethical framework for thinking about impact what that would do at an earlier stage is call is encourage academics to take a step back and think about what actually are the impacts of this? What might they be and who might they affect? And and is, is that ethical? And to have a conversation, in some cases, some kind of assessment of it, like we do in research. And the reason <laughs> we have it in research is because there have been in the past so many appalling practices that, that have gone on in research that have had very negative implications for some of the participants of that research and just weren't thought through. And so now like we've got much better at that. But not to be thinking about this for impact when we actually want impact to be much bigger than mm -hmm. the involvement of people in research projects like to stretch much more beyond and affect far more people I, th I think is very odd and it, it, we'll still always have the issue that the institutions and people will put forward their best face that the, you know their best their best account of impact but at least if in advance of that we had some encouragement to reflect as academics okay. on the research that yeah, we yeah. do it, uh -huh. do, mm. sh should we be promoting this or actually are there some quite concerning potential consequences of this that um, maybe it means that I need to be quite careful about how I put it into the public sphere? 
just a few myth busts to finish off, Kat. When departments putting together their impact case studies and submitting their ref report and their and the units of assessment are publishing research grant money yeah so the number of things that they have to talk about in the research environment so grant money um pgr students um support you know postgraduate research students support for early career researchers and 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 it's in that kind of environmental section that they might say something about diversity then there's a big chunk of focus on publications and outputs like journal articles and then there's this impact case study section and what if you're a member of staff that hasn't been able to do anything quote unquote impactful so there the current arrangement does a bit better because it only requires impact case studies for 10 members of staff so you can and we found in the book that some kind of groups of academics were really approaching this as a team and they'd say okay so those people over there like their work is really working with external actors so they can focus on the impact and the rest of us don't need to worry about it you know we can carry on doing the work that isn't (laughs) aligned with that agenda and so in some ways the current that current ref system does allow some protection and I think that's really good where that isn't the case is when academics are applying for grant funding and it's increasingly expected even though they've recently removed pathways to impacts as a separate statement it is really expected that you can show that your work is going to have a direct impact on some kind of external audience so it's there's this kind of it's a a a pincher movement really like you're being assessed for impact on the work you've done but also the work you're going to do and want to do if you need any kind of funding for it it sounds like there's a lot more a lot more it puts a lot of pressure on on academic staff right to do this it sounds like it makes your workload a lot more hectic yeah no I think absolutely I mean there's many good things about academic life and so and it's quite flexible that's one good thing and you have a lot of control over your work plan but it is intense and there are a lot of pressures and increasingly I've seen colleagues leaving academia early on because of these competing pressures because it's very hard to do research to teach to do administrative kind of management jobs and also to think about impact and impact related work tends to be quite resource intensive it tends to take a lot of time it's about building relationships really coming to understand your external partners and and then because of ref you've got to try and document all of that all the way through and those things often take like can happen at times that aren't convenient for people with caring responsibilities like evening policy launches like having to be away from home to meet with your partners and your policy partners and so on so it's it it is an extra pressure and at the moment I think is that there's a sense that if you do it well you could get promoted or it could help you get a job but there isn't a sense that you're given a dedicated bit of time to do that and a relief from other burdens so you've kind of got to fit it in amongst everything else academics or lecturers or yeah are you're teaching you're writing you're researching you're doing pastoral care as well we've got a mental health crisis across the whole sector we've got institutional racism we've got neoliberalism we've got fucking 10 grand fees or whatever it is now it's just broken but all this against a backdrop of basically funding's going because this current crisis universities will be one of the many institutions that will be struggling to find money and yeah. during the last financial crisis, I, I was in banking and we funded a lot of university buildings, right? Usually the funding structures are quite complex. And once that funding goes, it's a problem. And to universities, the first thing they look to do is make more, like make academics do more work so they can cut more staff because it saves more money. Yeah, no, I know. I, like, I do think that that's 
that's really concerning. On, and I think there's a range of potential things that might happen with impact. So one is that the funding for research might be drastically reduced and for universities generally. And there may be an increasing sense that academics and universities need to get that from other sectors, not, not from the <laughs> public first. Um, and if that happens, that you know, if there's a sense that you get more research funding from more from commercial sectors and so on, I mean, there'll be some bits of academia that do well out of that, but it it, it won't be the critical social sciences because who are the external actors that, that, that engage third with that? Sector. Exactly. It's the third yeah. sector who are also massively affected by the current crisis and, and funding crisis. So that so that is a concern. On the other hand, if, if universities stop, stop getting such a large block grant, then the whole REF approach gets called into question I think because it's quite expensive to have this <laughs> this kind of big um, every few years to get all universities their research and their impact case studies to be assessed and so on and if it's only if it's an increasingly small amount of money that's being distributed as a result then I think we may see a quite radical change to that whole ref system and it and it may really be called into question less bad <laughs> as an outcome oh cat that was absolutely brilliant thank you so so much for joining us and I think that was such a clear and synthesized entry point into impact and ref for our listeners um particularly like people that are from outside the academy I think will be really interested in that as well because it does tell us a lot about some very important institutions within our country so yeah it's it's a lot to think about and a lot is going to be changing even in the next few months let alone the next few years um so yeah thank you so much for joining us no problem thanks, Kat. it was really nice to meet you both thanks thanks for doing it <laughs>